The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention when you were just talking to me. Do you think that you could repeat the question? We got plenty of music. It's a good song. Yeah. I heard it's one of the favorites of the new mayor of Methuen. By the way, he thanked you for that. This is the ringtone on his phone now when I call him. Yeah, he wanted it. He really changed it? Yeah. (laughs) All righty. Hi, how you guys doing? Tom Duggan here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, it's Up Two Guys Smoke Shop here at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, this is going to be quite a show. I think just the fact that he's here, it doesn't even matter what we talk about, just the fact that he's here is going to piss off an awful lot of people. And it's usually the kind of people I want to piss off. So uh, so we're glad to have him here. A couple of announcements before we start the show. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, on the last Thursday, I think it's the 26th of December, we're going to be um, having our annual opioid summit. Yeah, here this the, is the 26th. Here on the Paying Attention podcast, it's going to be two hours with the police chiefs of four communities. Uh, Chief Alan Denaro from Haverhill. Could you just pull me up just a little? Alan Denaro from Haverhill. Police Chief Chuck Gray from North Andover. Police Chief uh, Jim Ryder from Boxford. And who did I miss? And Chief Joe Solomon from Methuen. And uh, so we, our very first show was the last week of December two years ago. And we had the police chiefs come in for that first show, and we, had, we, had, we talked about opioids. And we were supposed to go one hour, but it was so fascinating, we ended up going two hours. And afterwards, they said, geez, we, we should do this again. So we've been doing it now. We did it the first year. We, we did it on the anniversary for the second year. And this year, we're going to do it again. And we're gonna, they get all, they've all been instructed, Ed, to bring in their statistics from the last three years that, you know, since we started and then go back two years before that so we can get a good perspective of before we started doing this, where it was, where it is now. And what's great about it is, you know, Haverhill's a big city, lots of crime. Methuen's a medium-sized city with lots of crime. And Boxford's like a cow town, right? I mean, you know, if there's a cow in the road and they have to call a cop to move it, that's a crime spree in in, in Boxford. Uh, And in North Andover, it's kind of like in between, right? North Andover has some crime because it borders Lawrence, but not as much, not as little crime as Boxford. So it's great to have the diversity of the four different chiefs here. Uh, And before I get any nasty emails from Lawrence, we didn't ask Lawrence to be here uh, because Lawrence wasn't really kind of part of this. But at some point, we will have Chief Roy Vast come back on and talk about what's going on in Lawrence, the cameras, the, le- the reduction in crime, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Heroes in Our Midst, Volume 2, should be uh, out on the streets in January. We're uh, almost done, but we have a lot of like editing and stuff to do. Um, made a cameo appearance. I don't know, did you see the new video? I did see that video. Did you see that? So I made a cameo appearance in a rock video uh, produced by Red 13 Creative here in Massachusetts. Uh, Jenny Teeter, if you go to uh, YouTube... Dot com and put in Jenny Teeter, Daughter of the Devil. I'm in that rock video. They're at like 20,000 views already. I was sort of watching it when you were doing political TNT. Yeah. And are you a good guy or a bad guy? I saw you cleaning out the register. Yeah, no, I'm getting robbed. Oh, you were going to hand the money to the bad guy. I I just Uh, assumed the worst when I saw you (laughs) emptying the register. No, I play a a store clerk. We taped it at Route 110 Convenience Store in Methuen. Thanks to Hasmu at Route 110 who let us go in at 4.30 in the morning before he opened Hmm. and took us about an hour to shoot all of the scenes. The little girl in that video was just amazing. Did you grab a couple scratch tickets while you were there? I did, That seems to be the lucky place right now. Everybody was worried I was going to take the money. It was the cigarettes and the scratch ticket that was sticking (laughs) in my pocket on my way out the door. Uh, And so what else do we have? We've got the Valley Patriots 16th anniversary, if you can believe that, our 16th anniversary bash, March 27th. And um, we're going to have a lot more announcements coming up as to who's going to be playing. But I have to tell you uh, right out of the gate 
that we have asked, uh, much to the bemoaning of my dash committee, we have asked John Mallory to come back. And he didn't say yes just yet, but we need people to work on him. We need everybody, everybody, if you see John Mallory, you've got to go over to him and say, listen, you've got to do the bash this year. We miss you. He's been gone for the last three years, and we want him, we want him back because he is, he's the bash at this mm-hmm. point. Without John Mallory, it's just not as much fun. Sitting to my left, we have city councilor-elect. Still Joel, sounds weird. Yeah, Neil said <laughs> the same thing. Uh, Joel Ferretra. Now, what's really interesting about Joel, before we get into all of this, is that you were, you were like – you weren't the front runner at all going into this. You were unknown. Nobody knew who you were. Uh, you'd never run for anything before. I don't think you've really ever been involved in any campaign before, except I think maybe on the Jim Jujuga Jr. campaign for Sheriff. I think you, you I held signs. Held for, signs. I've held signs for Steve Saber. I held signs for Diana Desaglio in the past. But that's the extent. Yeah, you were signing, you were holding signs. signs. Yeah, I've never been. This was my first venture into anything close to this. So you've got Joyce Campagnon, who's a, an incumbent who was running for re-election. Jim McCarty, an incumbent running for re-election. DJ Deeb, who sits on the school committee, running for city council, and then you, who'd never run for anything. Right. And I, th- I, I think what happened, and you can speak to this a little bit, was that the voters just wanted new blood. They just wanted somebody new, and you were the only new guy in that race. Right. I, you know, go, leading up to the primary, I've told this story before, like, I, and if I finished anywhere between second and fifth, I wouldn't have been surprised. If I came in fifth and it was over that night, I wouldn't have been shocked. Right. Then when I came in, I came in in second, I was like, holy Holy crap, it's real. In you know primary, what I mean? Right? right. And then as you knocked on more doors and easily over a thousand, you know, the questions, the first question that came up more often than not was, are you an incumbent? Right. And I'm like, never run for office before. They're like, all right, you got my vote. I'm like, well, that was easy. Right. You know, like, you have any other questions? Nope. Good luck. I'm like, okay. Wonder, but I, it, kind of, it kind of showed where, where a lot of people in Methuen were feeling at that point where just really frustrated with how the last few years have went. Right. And I think that's what, not just myself, but a lot of the other candidates that ended up stepping up and running. You know, we have, out of nine, you know, we have five new councils coming in right now. So I think, you know, you have Neil as the new mayor who wasn't in politics before. I just feel like people needed that fresh start almost. And like, all right, let's, right. you know, complete douching. Let's, you know, flush everything from the inside out and start from scratch, hopefully. I'm so totally not going to touch that. You, um, <laughs> you uh, uh, had to deal with... Not as much as Neil Perry did during the campaign with the rumors and everything, but I consistently heard, so I'm positive you were consistently hearing, he's going to be a puppet for Steve Saber. He's going to be a puppet for Bill Bryant. They work together at the CGS, they, they, at the uh, Crest, uh, Crest, Crest, Club. Crest yep. Collaborative. Uh, you know, he, he's going to be a puppet. He's not his own guy. It, he's, he's a spy for the, quote, other side. And you and I sat down at one point and had lunch. And I, I looked at you. I, I think I'm very good at this stuff because I've been doing it for a long time. And I kept telling people, you know what? I think you guys have this guy wrong. I, I think he's a genuine guy. I don't think he's anybody's puppet. I think he's going to be his own man. And no, 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 no. Nobody believed me. Nobody believed well, me. Steve Gillis was kicking the crap out of me on Facebook. Mark was kicking the crap right. out of me in person. Jana was saying, I don't know. And then at the end of the day, it turns out, guess what? Who's right? Well, because I... There was no reason for me to do all the work and everything I did to just go there and now just vote along with somebody else's side. I spent the last three weeks leading up to November 5th, every afternoon, until it was dark, even after dark, knocking on doors, sending messages, doing all this stuff. Why would I put forth that effort if all I was going to do is now go sit on the council and do whatever Steve told me to do Mm -hmm. or do whatever Brian Bill told me to do? That, That doesn't make any sense in anyone's mind. You know, I've said that. I said it about Neil. I said it about everyone else. I worked damn hard to get where I am, yeah. you know, where, and you whether did. it's, you did work hard. Well, right. I'm mean, even talking before the election to, you know, all the stuff I've done with the youth sports, with lacrosse and the MAIC and all that. If that was, if, if this was the way I was going to go just to do somebody else's dirty work, I wouldn't have put the work in. I would have just right. stayed, I would have coached. I would have done lacrosse, done all this other crap and just, you know, just bitched on Facebook like everybody else about all the problems. But no, I'm putting my name out there. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my word. I'm I'm not gonna be out there just to be a yes man for somebody else. And I think you're gonna be surprised about most of these candidates, if not all. You know, hopefully, you know they'll prove themselves that as well. And I'm confident they will. Now you want to hit the ground running in January. Um, this transition period that you're in. How are you preparing for? You know, you have a huge budget crisis coming up. You've got a huge issue with the police contract. You've got a huge issue with the schools. We know that they're going to overspend again this year. How are you preparing for all that? I mean, during the campaign, it's all good to talk about issues in an abstract way, but now it's real. So the first thing I'm trying to do is just, you know, the Robert's Rules of Order, the Municipal Code, all that stuff. So 
Tina Conway was nice enough to share something with myself and the other new counselors today about a seminar that's going on in in Worcester late, like the first weekend of December, just for newly elected counselors, aldermen, so on. So I'm going to go to that. Um, hoping now, you know, you mentioned it like, yeah, it was easy to sit here during a debate with DJ and, and Joyce and just say all this stuff. And, oh, it sounds easy. Now I'm hopefully getting a little more information now that I'm actually going to be on that other side of the table because mm-hmm. I'm sure that none of us had all the information as, as candidates as compared to being on the council. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to do my homework and I'm going to figure out, you know, going to just keep talking to as many people as I can and just try to touch base with as many different parties and try to find out where the facts lie and what they are and then vote accordingly. So, you know, I've reached out to, you know, many people, you know, I was, I've reached out to the chief, I've reached out to chief Sheehy and I've, you know, talked to union, you know, presidents and all that. And I'm going to talk to as many people as I can between now and January 1st or January 2nd, whenever we get sworn in, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, have, I'm going to have every, I'm going to do the work to make sure I have all the information I need before casting those votes. And that's what I ran on and I'm not, and that's what I'm going to do. So what is your number one priority besides like trying to put, trying to patch holes in the dike, right? <laughs> um, you know, with, with all the crises, is there anything proactively that you want to start doing uh, come January? Like your number one priority is to like what, aside from trying to fix other people's problems that they left right. you in the council, is there anything proactively that you want to start hitting the ground running with? I, I just want I want as much be able to look inside these numbers as much as you can to really find out you know where the money's going because I know as soon as January hits you're going to get to those those times where almost every department's going to come back to the city council and ask for money from free cash because oh we overspent on this we overspent on that right I think the the biggest thing that departments need to be able to show is you know you know the whole thing with the school department with the special you know there needs to be concrete proof of what why we overspent and how, you know, if it's DPW and it, you know, it's a horrible winter and we have to work at that, about that stuff, that's fine. But if you're spending just tons of money on overtime because we're short staffed and, you know, just because we're filling spots because we haven't hired people, you know, what, you know, I know the police department's down 10 officers right now. So if the police department budget comes up, it would be an issue because now you're paying tons of overtime. Well, how right. do we get it? We need to get more bodies in here. So we sure. need to be proactive and get, fill those spots instead of paying overtime. That's what kills most of our budgets. Right. The so. other thing that kills your budget is about 60% of your budget is a school department budget. And we talked a lot during the campaign about how the city council under Jen Kinnan, she did yeoman's work for whatever anybody might think negatively or positively about Jen. She did amazing work with that budget going line by line so that the people at home knew how many pencils we had and how much we were paying for it. Were we buying it in bulk and could we do it better? And then the school department presented their budget with a line at, with, with no line item uh, 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 expenditures, gave them a bottom line number, they just voted for it. And so I'm hoping when you guys start in January, you're going to be looking at next year's budget, which starts in July. Uh, Municipal budgets go July to June. Um, That you're going to be requiring them to come forward with line by line the way the school, the city council did it last time. I think every department should be held to the same standards. You know, so with your newly elected school committee, hopefully they, you know, they're on board with this as well about, you know, really showing where the money's going and how it's being spent. I think the the school department, you know, the schools in Methuen. Sometimes, you know, I've been, you know, I, I have three kids. One's been one went through Methuen High already. She's a junior at URI. A great story about that afterwards. And then I have two currently at Methuen High School, and both honor students taking AP classes. So I'm blessed. I'm very lucky. And I was talking to people in the recently, and it's like you could throw all the money you want. At the schools, you could you could double their budget right now, and make it 150 million dollars. It's not going to make a difference. It doesn't make a difference no. because it starts at home. You know, the school committee and the school school department have done some great things to make sure parents know to the minute what's going on with your students when it comes to their, you know their classes and grades and all that stuff. But just throwing at the money at the problem is not going to fix it because if you don't have if it doesn't start at home, if you don't have the parents and if you don't have accountability on the home side to make sure that the students are doing what they need to do. It, it doesn't matter. So, you know, I kind of got off track a little bit, but every department in the city should be held to the same accountability when it comes to their budget. It should be as open and transparent as possible so everybody sees where every dollar is going because, unfor- you know, there's only so much money. You know, we're not taking out, you know, <laughs> there's no more borrowing. Right. So they just, you know, they set the tax rates and now there's, you know, so I know the, the rate drop, but it's going to be an average of about 180 I think it was increased for the residential tax income now, taxes coming in next year. All right, well, that's more money. And so how, 
that doesn't get, that, that that shouldn't just open the doors. Like, all right, now we got a couple extra million dollars. Yeah, How we, we spending spend, it? Right. No, it needs. There still needs to be. There needs to be cuts or you know just accountability to make sure we live within our means. And that way, now we don't, we're not spending every every dime that comes in. We need to be able to put stuff aside, make sure a rainy day infrastructure, so on and so forth. So every department should be held to those same standards when their budget comes to the city council that we're able to see line by line where everything's going, not just you know not just police and fire and DPW like what this present council did. And I agree with you. You know, as, as painful as it probably was to sit in those meetings at some times and to watch. It was very painful to watch. It needed to be done that way. So. I agree. I agree. And again, I, I um, and I know it makes a lot of people angry who don't like Jen Canan, but you can't take it away from her. She did a great job. She ran those meetings line by line, and that's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be transparent for the public because these these elected officials, even though they they don't, some of them don't think that they vote they that they work for the public. They do work for the public, and everything needs to be transparent. Absolutely. There's a uh, a move afoot for a uh, Steve Sable's family wants to put a pot shop in. Uh, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Um, no, I'm sorry. Let me let me restate that. It's not a pot shop. It's a growing facility, and so the issue of a growing facility coming to Methuen has become very controversial. There are some people that they don't think pot should be legal to begin with, so they're all against it. And then there are other people who are open minded, and then there are other people that want it. They think it's a great thing. Um, what do you think about the idea of a growing facility in Methuen, where it would be, what kind of things that the, the city should get from? I know they, they were looking at giving North Andover. When I went to town meeting, because I live in North Andover, they wanted to put a, a growing facility over on Osgood Street at Osgood Landing, and they're going to give us $10 million a year. And the initial discussions on a pot facility in Methuen had Methuen getting nothing. I mean, it was all, we're giving them stuff. Right. So what do you think about all that? It's something that you're going to have to tackle unless they do some kind of sleight of hand before Jujuga leaves. Well, I was at the joint meeting the other night, and you know, a lot of discussion came up about that. And I felt like the meeting kind of went off the rails a little bit, where there was a lot of public participation, which is great. But it all turned into discussion about a retail facility, which was never on the table. Right. It's still not on the table. So... The discussion, it was, the zoning was for a, you know, a grow facility, like you said, or a medical facility. And the woman that was there representing the Cannabis Council, whatever, said, you know, you're not getting anyone at this point who's going to come in just looking for a medical license. Mm-hmm. At this, you know, at this point, they're all looking to dual dual. They're, they're going to want a medical and, a, and an adult use because that's just where – that's how everything's going right now. Most facilities that you see are going to have a dual use piece. You know, you're going to be able to get your medical – at one side, and you're able to go, you get your recreation on a second. So, so to me, what that sounded like is as long as if retail's off the, do, off the table when it comes to Methuen, then the medical's going to probably be off the table as well, where no one's going to really want to come in and do that. So now you're left with the grow facility piece. And as long as it's zoned properly, and you know, I think there's plenty of industrial, and they had the whole zoning map, I, I think it's something Methuen needs to look at. It's, it, it's, not gonna, it's not like anyone's going to go in there. And be able to grab 20 plants and then run out the side door. The right. security in those places is really tight because right. they don't want that liability. Right. <laughs> the last thing they want to be is that first place that gets knocked off. And they may be hiring with throwing police officers to do security there. And most people don't realize, like when they see a cop doing a detail for construction and you, know, you hear that they're making $50 an hour, they don't realize that the taxpayers aren't paying that $50 an hour. The construction company's paying it right. because it's mandated in their contract. And I would imagine it will be the same thing for a growth facility. Yeah, it depends on if, you know, do they go, do they decide, and I guess that'll come up with zoning and uh, probably way down the road, but how is it secure? So I know we've talked about before, you know, the facility in Lowell has a private security company on site. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm sure that was agreed upon when Lowell met with this company and decided, all right, what are we going to do? And I'm sure each town does that. But that's where us as a city needs to go out. You talk to Lowell, you talk to Hudson, Merrimack, all these other towns that now have facilities mm-hmm. and say, all right, what roadblocks did you hit when you were doing this? You know, what, what worked for you guys? When it came to security, what do you, you know, did you look at public, using public officers as compared to private security firms? What were the positives and negatives on that? And I think... You don't have to recreate the wheel at this point. There's already all these facilities all over the place. So mm-hmm. if we get to the point where now, like, all right, it's a go. Methuen's going to look at doing a grow facility in, in Methuen. And we're there. Now let's reach out to these other communities so we don't have to keep doing just redoing work that's already done. Right. But I think short-sightedness, I think we really need to look at the, you know, being able to have some sort of, you know, comp, you know people like, well, you know, 
we shouldn't just take in the, you know dirty money. Well, it's it's not dirty money because it's it's a legal product. Right. Just because something's illegal doesn't mean it's not coming. You know, you you, you open the show talking about your opioid summit that's coming up in in about six weeks. Well. That's illegal. How's that right, working out? Right. You know, so. And it's it the same argument with guns, right? Or abortion and, or anything else. Anything else. If you make it illegal, people are going to do it anyway. Right. But you're not, it's not like you're opening up, you know, the, the parlors that they've talked about. I don't think there's any open in Massachusetts yet where, you, where you're going to get to go in, pack a bowl, smoke it, and then stroll out. Right. You know, it's not, we're not looking at anything like that. You're looking at just a warehouse pretty much, no different than what you have over at, you know, like a Shaw's, you know, over on Osgood Street, you know, down that way. It's just a warehouse. You're not going to, unless you know it's there, you're, unless you specifically know, specifically know, hey, that's where they grow the weed, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to notice. See, I voted against making it legal, making it legal completely, um, but I lost that vote, right? And so the people who are against the growing facility, I, I think are, are, it would be like saying, I'm a, I don't think alcohol should be legal, so I'm going to vote against of letting a liquor store go down on Main Street. I mean, you can't do that. I mean, it's not based on what you think should be legal. It's based on what is legal. Right. But then, you know, it is, and then, but that's with the zoning laws and all that stuff. I mean, I know a lot of people spoke at the public hearing about not wanting in my neighborhood or this or that. Well, there's ways that we can make sure that it's not disrupting. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to put a grow facility in the middle of, you know, middle of a neighborhood, hopefully. There's enough areas in Methuen where when it does come in, that it's zoned properly and it's away from, you know, it's away from neighborhoods or any of that stuff. But how about putting it on the ballot and just letting the, the voters decide? So I, I'd be in favor of that. But now you're looking at what are you pushing off to November 2020? Yeah. So now you push it out. Now, if you you push it off to November 2020 at this point, I guess it depends on what you're putting on the ballot. If you, now if you're going to say we're going to do a grow facility, we ha- you know, the council. But now we're going to put retail and medical on there. I, I think that'd be fine. I think if you just continue to push the can down the road, at least on something, at least on the grow, where you at least bring in some in tax revenue because we need something that's not residential at this point. Mm-hmm. I think that I think definitely that could be on the, that should be on the November 2020 ballot, whether you, you know, bringing in whether you want retail and medical in, in Methuen because 2020 is going to, you know, same thing in 2016 when this first was on the ballot, it was a presidential election. So numerous people came out right and you know in 2020 the way everything is right now you know there's going to be many that's going to be a huge turnout as well so that's your opportunity right there to put that on the ballot if you want to put a you know recreational slash medical facility i think that's the time to do that but i think a grow facility should be something that the people methuen should you know look at and really embrace at this point to bring in additional revenue without having to worry about you know the concerns that a lot of people have when it comes to, you know, product. Oh, they're going to buy it and then they're going to sell it to kids. No way. It's way too expensive right. when you go in the store. They're not going to buy it in there and then come out and sell it to anyone else. Right. It, but, you know, the downfall is it's definitely boosted the black market. So, you know, now if you were buying something for, you know, 20 bucks, now that it's legal, now all of a sudden that's, that same product's 45, 50 bucks because it's 60 inside the store. Right. Uh, we have a question from one of our readers. Randy says, did Joel think uh, that there will be a smooth transition from the old God to the new God? Uh, as we are seeing some resistance from the outgoing counselors. Um, so I've met with pretty much all of the incumbent counselors at this point. I have one more meeting. I'm meeting with Jimmy tonight. I haven't heard from any of the outgoing counselors. So that's my that would be my biggest concern. I spoke to um, to Jess on the phone. I'm like, what would be very helpful would be, you know, maybe one or two counselors getting the five new ones together and saying, hey, let's sit down. You know, there's not a quorum, none of that. But like, hey. Kind of what we said before. Hey, these are the things that I thought would be easy when I walked in, and they weren't. Right. You know, hey, when you hit the ground day on day one, these are the things you really need to. Mm-hmm. So I can say for like right now, the counselors that are that are still staying on, I've had contact with all four. So, and I've also had contact with all the counselor elects as well. For some point, and I think we're the new counselors are really eager to learn as much as we can. So that way we know there's going to be issues that come on our plate as soon as we get in. And mm-hmm. we want to be able to be as prepared as we can. So I feel confident that as we get closer to that, that even some of the counselors that are not staying on the council, that they'll, they'll be helpful as well. I, I, I've known Jen for years. Her, her daughter, Farrah, and my son, Max, are in the same grade and known them forever. I'm very confident that if I have a question and I reach out to her, that she would be more than helpful. So that whole election, that whole mayor's election, broke my heart. I love Jen Kinnan. I do, and I know a lot of people that uh, that are friends of mine don't, but uh, but I always love Jen. And uh, that whole that whole election, the, the, the divisiveness just broke my heart. Um, one of the, if not the biggest elephant in the room, is the police contract, and maybe other contracts. 
um, whereby they are now going to be going for arbitration in December. And uh, at least according to the president of the Police uh, Superior Officers Union, Greg Gallant, uh, arbitration is in their contract and it's final and, and binding. And we have Jim McCarty saying publicly, no, it's not. So you've got a little bit of a conflict there. We'll, we'll find out, I guess, who's right. But you're going to be coming in. If, if the arbitrator in December, before you take office, decides to give the police anything, like even if they say, no, we're not going to honor the contract, but we think that Jim DeJuga retaliated illegally, so we're going to give them a million or a million five, there's no money in the budget for that. Right. Which means when you take over in January, before you even can talk about moving anything forward, you got to find a way to come up with that money, either laying people off, raising taxes, or some other creative way. How do you plan on handling that? I don't know. Maybe is it too late to ask for a recount and see if DJ <laughs> made up those 16 votes? I don't know. But um, it's it's one of those questions that I'm not lying. I don't know. Like I have no idea how that process is going to play out in, in a month. And then if that does, I, I would imagine, let's say, I think it's December 16th, December 16th to the 18th. I yep. think it's those three days. Not sure how long it takes after that to come back. I, would, I don't know. Like, so it's a three day hearing. I'm not sure how long after that it takes for the arbitrator to, you know, officially. It's come usually out pretty quick. Okay. So I would imagine if anything comes down short of the city's 100% right, that there's going to be an oh crap. All right, let's get together because we're going to have to figure something out. Right. So I think that's where. Hopefully, that current leadership that's in there now would work with the incoming mayor and the incoming council and be like, all right, this is what we have to, you know, because there's going to be a lot of us in that room that have never had to deal with anything of that magnitude. So it's going to take more than just, you know, myself or even just Neil or anything like that because there's going to, it's going to be a huge thing. It's not just moving, all right, well, we're just going to move this little over here and it'll be fine. You're looking at a big number if something does come back in the favor of the superiors at ha, that point. Have you so, sat down with Neil Perry and talked to him about any of this kind of stuff? I haven't talked to him since the election. Oh, really? You know, um, I've, I've assumed he's had his own, you know, between him. He's very busy. With, you know, he's, you know he, I'm sure, you know, I, he told everybody that next day that he was going to go, you know, put in his papers at Raytheon. He's got a whole transition thing going on. My my phone's been nonstop for two weeks, and I've meet, I've met with That's everybody. That's why I try not to bother you. It's all right, you know. But I'm sure when time comes, if you know that we'll have some sort of discussions. But you know, eventually, not eventually, but like, you know, there are branches of government for a reason. They are going to be separate, so I'm sure we'll be cordial and there'll be discussions. But eventually, there's going to be you know not a huge there'll be some talks and conversations but i'm sure there's a lot of it that's going to be separate because of the you know because of the branches you know right. so but you know i'm sure he he's paying attention just as much as any of us you know watching to see what happens here because he's going to have that's going to be his first issue he's going to have to deal with as well right so i can tell you it's nothing that any of us are looking forward to you know it, dep it also depends on who you talk to you know you talk to one side we're 100 winning you talk to the other side we're 100 winning like Somebody's <laughs> somebody's wrong. Somebody's wrong, and we're gonna find you know, out exactly. We're gonna, you know, and eventually, I think, you know, I think a lot of us are just kind of like, what did happen? Right. I think eventually, it's been two years of this, and mm. you know, I've only had to live it from this part for the last, you know, since I pulled papers. That's the, you know, are you incumbent? Yes, no. How do you feel on the police contract? And that's all we've heard right. now for two plus years. And well, no matter which way it goes. I'm sure there's a lot of people that we can, if we can figure out a way to move forward after this arbitration hearing, get everything settled and just move on so we don't have to worry about this. We can focus on other issues. I think that's where everybody's looking at at this See, point. See, if I so. had my way, and I know I'm the only person on the planet who feels this way, but if I had my way, I'd give, I'd give every cop $250,000 for a salary. These guys are running into burning buildings before the firefighters get there. They're pulling babies out of, out of crashes on the street during, during accidents. They're, they're running toward the bullets when everyone's running away from the bullets. And as far as I'm concerned, I'd give them every friggin' penny that they wanted. Uh, but you know, realistically, the town doesn't have the money. Right. right? And that, that's the problem. So, like, I think you could, you could say the same thing about firefighters, right? You could say the same thing when, you know, same thing. Building's on fire. They're running in while right. everyone else is running Absolutely. out. And they are heroes. Those are jobs that not many people do, and those people that do step up and do that deserve the utmost respect and should never, you know, when they retire, should never have to worry about, right. you know, especially when it comes to the health concerns. We should be able – those guys should be taken care of. But unfortunately, as a municipality, you don't have the funds to be able to do that. Right. So it's, it's that delicate balance of how do we make sure they're taken care of well enough that they are compensated for all the stuff that they do, which is heroes' work, but then also not make sure that – 
the rest of the city doesn't fall apart around it. If you pay your police and fire, like you said, the two hundred fifty thousand. Now what happens? Now you DPW guys, two guys with a shovel. You know, no, no, I said, I love, you know, but it's right. t- it's that tough balance. I say just take it from the schools because <laughs> I, I look at and, and, and I know this infuriates all of my friends when I say it because most of them are on school committees or involved in school systems. But I look at the product of these kids coming out of the schools today. And listen, I, I know that there are good teachers. Don't email me and say there are good teachers. We know that there are like five, maybe. Some, some, there were some good teachers. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at the product. These kids graduate. They, they, can't, they can't put a sentence together on paper. They can't read a traditional clock. But they know all about global warming and abortion and transgender bathrooms, but they can't fill out a job application. And so when I look at the product, I'm like, well, why are we just shoveling more money? From my memory, the police department last year was funded. The school department overspent by $4 million, and then the council gave them more. Like, they borrowed $4 million to, to, to fill the gap and then gave them more money. And I'm sitting there, I was watching Steve Saber that night, making, tripping over himself to make a motion to give the schools more money because there were people in the audience yelling and screaming for the schools to get more money. And, and I'm sitting there going, but why? No matter how much money we throw it at these kids, still can't fill out a freaking job application. I mean, when, when, they, when they can get it right, when they can teach math, science, and history the way they're supposed to in English, then you want to give them more money? Then fine. Show me that you guys are up to par, that, 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 the, that the kids are graduating and that they've got a grasp of reality. Then fine, we can talk about giving them more money. But I was talking to um, a principal. The other, I was at a, train, like a school safety training the other day, which is unbelievable like the stuff that the, you know that you you know talking with the fbi and you know retired police chiefs about you know school safety active shooters and that stuff and i was talking to a principal during the break and it struck it really struck with me because my wife's a special ed teacher the amount of administrative work that now teachers and administrators have really takes away from the focus and what they're able to do in a classroom right you know and it's you know I have heard numerous teachers, you know, my wife <laughs> included sometimes when she gets frustrated, she's like, this isn't why I got into this. Right. And I think it really frustrates teachers a little bit. You know, when I was in high school, I went to Everett High and it wasn't all academic. You know, I, I took a home ec class and you took woodshop and all these other things. And at least you were a little more well-rounded. I love what Greater Lawrence is doing. I love, you know, the techs. And I think we really need to, like, not every kid needs to go to college. Right. And, you know. Smart guy here, Ed. <laughs> well, you were talking earlier. I was, you know, I was listening to the your podcast while I was driving earlier and you guys were talking about Elizabeth Warren and, oh, giving away, you know, the student debt, you know, getting rid of the student loans. Why is the conversation never about the colleges? Right. Like, public educate, public college education from when I went to school at Salem State in the early 90s to what it is now is more than doubled. Right. So, you can't just forgive the student loans. Why aren't we looking into our public colleges as well to figure out why is, why is tuition now at this point? Right. We're now, to go to a UMass Lowell, it's over $100,000 for That's a four-year program. So and I they still graduate knowing all about global warming, abortion, and transgender bathrooms. They still can't fill out a job application. I think that's a blanket. I think there, there are a lot. I think the, those are the kids that stick out. You'll see a couple. Of those, but I think there's a lot of kids as well that go to Methuen High that walk out of there that you wouldn't like. They're way ahead of the game when it comes to, especially the AP program at Methuen High and your honors program at Methuen High. Those kids that are going to college are very ready. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, my oldest is a pharmacy major down at um, URI, she'll graduate as a doctor at 23, which is insane. Wow. And somebody, uh, as an aside, so, sh- so somebody goes up to Dan Shabilia at Market Basket. He had, he had my T-shirt on. You know, you know, you know Joel's on Saber's team because his daughter's in school to be a pharmacist and he's going to work for Saber in, <laughs> in the grow facility. I'm like, the conspiracy I'm is like, so crazy. I'll give you credit because that's, you know, that's pretty creative. Yeah, you got to come I'm up. Like, I'm like, if you think we're really that a big conspiracy theory where this is how it all tied together, my kid is not going to need me to get her a job. Trust me. But, you know, I think there are kids that, you know, there are kids, but it, it comes, it starts at home, Tom. It's, it's that structure of home, you know, where... Mom and dad, even if they're not together, are just paying attention and making sure that they're on track and doing what they need to do and giving them what they need, you know, whether it's, you know, pushing a guidance counselor or making sure you get the support your kid needs at a school and pushing back, you know, on the school departments or whatever, because, you know, it, it's, a, it's a business and they're going to they're gonna try to not, you know, if there's a kid who's going to need services, they may not try to push that as much because they're going to save money. You, as a parent, you need to be in there in that guidance council. So no, this is what my kid needs. You need to be able to fight for that. And then a lot of the other stuff takes care of itself. We've got an announcement though, right? Don't we? Should I do it now? Or should I, we no, wait? that's good. So I'm, I'm fine with it. So, so uh, Joel and I had lunch one day before the election 
And we were at Bada Bing's, which, by the way, has not only great pizza, but they've got great subs there, too, and the hot wings are pretty good. Um, and I was about to order something. And I love, by the way, when people do this. He said, no, 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 you don't want to order that. You want to order the barbecue chicken steak sandwich, right? Did I get it's it right? Barbecue chicken cheesesteak, yeah. Right? So I was like, all right, listen, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm adventurous. I'll try something new. It was amazing. And so afterwards, I said, you know, you're pretty good at this food stuff. So why don't you write a foodie column for the Valley Patriot? First, it'll blow everybody's mind. That'll be fun. But also, it's something that like we could use in the paper to bring in some diverse readers. And it's something you're good at. Right. And you said, yes. yes. I think I think it'd be a great way to you know to put the focus on local local businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how much my doctor will appreciate it, but you know, <laughs> hitting a couple of different places every week, you know, every month, and just writing a little you know little blurbs here or there, positives, negatives, and right. rating them. You know, we'll give them. We'll put them on this on the scale, one to five beards. Right, right. You know? <laughs> five beards. I love you it. know, so we'll do that. And I think it's just another way to really put the spotlight on a lot of these small businesses in Methuen that are doing great things that maybe people don't really know about. Right. Bada Bing's is phenomenal. Like, yeah. the, never mind the food and the service. Just what they do for the community is great. And yeah. I think they can't. John and Tanya and those guys there. You know, you can't praise them enough for what they're able to do. But there's other businesses like that as well that I'd love to get a chance to go in yeah. there, give them the pub, and you got Royal House of Roast Beef, and there's, oh. a, there's a new a new uh, breakfast place, Savastano's. I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, but I've heard good meatball subs good over there, so I'm going to try that, and hopefully, you know, you and I will touch base. I'd love to get a you know hit a couple of those places and talk right. about it. You know, Ro- Royal, you go in there and you get a a, a sandwich dinner, you know, with the <laughs> onion rings and the fries and the salad for twelve bucks. I'm like, holy, can't eat for you, a, no, can't yeah. eat three days, exactly. So, so uh, yeah, but I hope that you're going to at least invite me when you go to eat some of these places because I, I, I definitely want to try that. Absolutely. So, so, so we're still going to start our foodie column in December, and I actually have another announcement. It doesn't have to do with Joel, but since we've got everybody's attention, um, I had a conversation with, and the, the least likely guy you would ever think would do this, with Jim McCarty, and we were talking about his um, displeasure for some of the things that I write, and he said hey, he didn't think I was really very balanced. And so I said, well, listen, if you think that I'm not balanced enough, why don't you write a column about doing politics? You can write whatever you want. I'm never going to censor content. I'm never going to edit content. And he said, okay. So you'll start in December, and Jim McCarty's going to start his political column in December. Because well, So I came at it the same way as Jimmy did. Before I got into politics, before I got, <laughs> like before I got into this race, I wasn't a big fan of yours because of the whole thing that happened with Steve. Right. You know, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I felt like I knew what the your point you were making, but I felt like the way the point was made was way off. Mm-hmm. But as I got into this race, and it, it's, it comes down to what I've been saying a lot of, I may disagree with people on on a subject here and a subject there. I'm not gonna. It's not a personal thing, you know what I mean? So you and I have had some conversations as soon as you know when I left that debate here the other night, and I felt like it's been productive. And I feel like. I've earned what you said at the beginning of the pro- podcast when you said, I don't, I don't get that feeling from him. I know, like you guys are saying, he's on this team. But I've had to do that since day one. I right. had to prove to people that right. I'm not who people – the perception is out there. You know, like, you know, I fight that constantly. Right. So, I fight that constantly. You know, like I, you know, I felt bad because if, if it wasn't for Bill Bryant, I probably wouldn't be in the position I am today. He was the one who got me involved coaching Pop Warner with lacrosse and all these programs. So, and then I, you know, with the MAIC and him and I became very good friends and we st- we're still friends. We work together. And then, you know, the election day was tough. You know, like, you and him obviously had your run-ins. We did. You know, so. But I just want to say for the record, he screwed himself because he declared war on me on my show after I was nice enough to have him on for the first debate and he was throwing jabs at me. Then he came on the second debate and he was throwing jabs at me even after I said he was good to kids and I gave him some, I didn't, I, 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 Overcompensated and tried to be nice to him because I don't, because I don't, I don't I don't appreciate the way he treated me during the Steve Saber thing, and and then he and then afterwards like he just kept going and he goes on Tim Wood's show and he's lying about what I said and what I did and so finally I just had enough and I went after the guy on, on election day and hopefully I cost him the election I don't really care if people think that or not but um, I also don't take it personal I I I like the fact that he recruited you. I like the fact that you guys are still friends. I like the fact that even though you're coming on the show, you're going to participate in the Valley Patriot, that that hopefully is not going to hurt your friendship. Because I don't hate the guy. I just – I just he needed to be smacked down, I think, a little yeah. bit. Well, and I think the stress – I think any of us who got into the election didn't realize the amount of work that it was. And, you know, people will tell you, oh, you, you, wait. <laughs> yeah. by, by Tuesday – on election day, I was toast. I was, you know, sitting at a chair at the Timoney holding a sign, 
you know, sending 200 text messages and phone calls and reaching out and doing all this stuff. I was toast, you know, and I was, you know, I was close to snapping. So I'm sure the other guys as well, you know, it's like, you know, using that sports analogy, you put all this work into it and all of a sudden now it's your Super Bowl. Right, right. And now you come up short and there's nothing you can really do. You know, you're sitting there on that Tuesday and everything you've done and now it's in the hands of other people. Right. There's nothing you can do pretty much on that Tuesday except hope that everyone gets out there and that your message got across. And it, it was probably one of the most stressful days of my life. We're sitting at the, we're at the Timoney and the slips are coming out and we're down 24 votes before the sixth precinct, the sixth precinct comes out. And that's where I live, but it's also where DJ lives. And it felt like about two and a half hours. It was really like 10 minutes. <laughs> and they post it, and I see the number, and I, I see I beat DJ by 40. So it was e- easy math, and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, oh, here we go. And like, so my wife and my friend Peter were there tallying up numbers. They look at me, I look at them, and I walk outside. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, and I call my mom, and I tell her, you know, she starts crying. I, talk, I call my uncle, who... Mom was happy mom, for you. Yeah, mom, my, she was up here every weekend. And... You know, holding signs and brought up food. And my uncle was here as well. So my dad passed away when I was 15, but he stepped right in. You know, he was my mom's younger brother, but he was there as soon as, you know, pretty much right after that. And he was there and he was, you know, he made me the man I am today. And I can't be more grateful, but called him as well. And then I go back inside and it's like, yeah. And then, but I was like excited, but it's like 16 votes. Right. I'm like, do I get excited? And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it seems like, then it doesn't seem of, like a lot. Then there was talking maybe a recount. And yeah. there was, so it's still, yeah. even though you're kind of celebrating your win, it's still kind of up in the air, right? right exactly. Only 16. So the, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name from the Eagle Tribune came by at Ray Rocks. And he's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess. You know, so that next day at work, I'm probably refreshing my emails every 15 minutes waiting for the email from Mr. Wilson at the, you know, here are the official results. Right. So finally, the official results came out. The number still stayed at that 16. DJ calls me that night and says, you know what? You know, best of luck. I'm not going to do the recount. You know, let's stay in touch. And, and definitely will because him and I differed on some things. He knows a lot. Like, yeah. you, you know, he knows, he knows his municipal law. You he's know a that. smart guy. He's a very smart guy. And he's going to be somebody I stay in contact with. And I'm going to reach out to him. As things come on, because I know he knows his stuff. In a different environment, I probably would have supported DJ. I've known DJ a long time. He's written for me for a long time. In fact, he and I went to war together against Warren Shaw in Lowell when I had my ship. My radio show was in Lowell at WCAP. Yeah. Um, and and I and I, if he didn't hate Joe Solomon so much, if he wasn't so biased against the police, I I probably could have supported him. And I think a lot of people probably could have supported him. But people wanted someone coming in fresh that didn't have all these biases. And I think that's probably what killed him. I, I, but he did very well, you know. Like he, even though you like it killed, it was still he was still you know, close. It was still it was a very close race. And you know, I think what happened with with everything is just you know, I, you you're right. It, it came down to people being frustrated with the current state of the government, the way it is in Methuen, and people just want to change. And mm-hmm. you saw that everywhere. Yeah, you know. So with the exception of like the one person who broke out of that mold was Jess. Who was an incumbent and topped the ticket? I know, and you know, a lot of people were running around saying, "Me, Jess might be in trouble with this anti-incumbent mood." No, she, she. I think people were very informed. They weren't just saying throw everybody out. Jim McCarty, same thing, topped the ticket in your race. He's right. a two-year incumbent. I think people were very discriminatory and very informed. I think they watched all the debates. I think they watched I hope they Tim Wood. I think they watched uh, the. They picked up Methuen Life, and I think they were hungry for the information. And I think they were very informed voters. I think there were a lot. I also, but then. When Arthur Hardy pulls two thousand votes, yeah, well. you you also have to wonder there were there were obviously some people who weren't because I you look at that race I think it was ended up being six hundred votes between DJ Burgard and Steve Angelo mm-hmm. and two thousand votes were cast for somebody who said in in August there was no interest right so you know with him pulling that number one spot on the ballot I think really ended up throwing that race for a loop completely right. I think that was an fu vote I think a lot of voters go in and they say you know what I don't like any of these guys Hardy's not even in there. let's just throw him a vote right you know. Um, and, you know, it's too bad because I think he actually would have been a good candidate. You I've know? had conversations with him. And, yeah. I, you know, I just think, you know. He's a hero police officer. I know right. he doesn't like me, but I don't really care whether people like me or not. He's a hero police officer. I think he would have done very well during the debates. I think he probably could have secured himself. Had he stayed in the race, he probably could have secured himself a spot on the council. That would have been a very interesting five-person race yeah. at that point. You yeah. know, with you know between Jess and Nick and DJ with Steve Angelo. His problem is he was listening to Bobble Blake. And I think that that's probably what killed him. 
you know. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to comment. Well, no, I've, I, I had I, when I first got into you don't the race. Bob, Bob mad at you, so you well, no, that's all right. I've had conversations with Bob, and when I first got into the race, he reached out, and him and I had coffee, and you know, kind of. I think I, I left that meeting. At least he felt the same way about me that a lot of people have. Like, don't listen to the noise on the outside, and just have a conversation with me, and I'm going to tell you how it is. You know. And that's I think that's the most frustrating piece about what's happened since I got elected is that you know there's people out there who are going to take shots and I understand that that's fine but at least come from a factual point about right. it you know oh I was you know in 2017 you know with, with Steve Gillis oh he was a bully and he started this page and all this I'm like no I said no one should vote for you you're, you're divisive and you're not going to make a good city councilor and I started a hashtag anyone but Gillis and, <laughs> and that's well, what I did there wasn't a Facebook page we started the hashtag anyone but Gillis. Anyone who was a friend of mine got kicked out of, of Methuen Sound off. Oh boy! And but then they went on and attacked me when I kicked out. Well, if you want to come after me, come after me. But at least come, you know, come have a conversation with me. See, I, have nothing see, to hide. I, I love Steve Gillis. I just don't always agree with him. Right. Same you know? here. You know, there yeah. were some things I, that he says are true, but then there's other times. Where, but at that point, he wasn't. I at that race in 2017, he wouldn't have been a good at large city councilor. And it wasn't a personal thing. It was just, it, it, well, if you want to call who you're going to vote for personal, that's fine. You looked at the candidates. I'm like, Steve wouldn't have been a good choice. All right. So that doesn't mean what he, you know, whatever he does, he runs I support, that page. I supported and, Steve, but I don't always agree with him for sure. Right. So there was a um, uh, huge economic development problem in Methuen, uh, where there's a lot of talk about the loop possibly collapsing uh, under its own weight. It was so close to Methuen. I mean, it was so close to Salem, New Hampshire. Um, everybody's talking about uh, what we, what can the government do? What can city government do? Is there really anything city government can do when it comes to bringing businesses in, keeping businesses in? You guys, uh, the, the current council just went up on uh, business taxes, right? Which doesn't help. No. When you're this close, uh, is is I, I kept wondering through the debates whenever the economic development thing came up, even with the Neil Perry Jenkins debate, and I kept thinking, is there really anything that the city government can do? I'm not really sure that they can. I think if you have if you have the infrastructure in place and you have the ability. To, you know, let's use Stop and Shop for an example, right? So that's Stop and Shop's closing July 31st. I think there's a lot of people that feel if that if that store closes and there's not something else lined up, that that's the that's going to be the big domino that's going to really take down the rest of that. But isn't complex. that up to like the owner of the mall to like be soliciting people to come in? Well, it is, not but city it, government. But you, as city government, can also reach out to them and say, "Hey, what? Who have you talked to?" Right. You know what I mean? Like it. Work together on this. Who have you heard from? Well, hey, how about I reach out to, you know, there's got to be connections that both people have that maybe they don't have mutually. So, hey, I know, you know, we know this person here, you know, we can talk about, hey, what about a Wegmans or a trade? You know, working together to make sure that storefront doesn't empty because the management company is not going to want that empty come August 1st. And Methuen doesn't want an empty come August 1st. So there's got to be a way that they can work in unison to try to figure out a way to bring somebody in there, Whether whether it's a food store, whether it's another, you know, a grocery store, whether it's entertainment somehow, you know, you want to talk about the Tuscan village and you, you know, what's going on at the river walk. I like to put in like a turf field on the top and they're bringing in restaurants and more businesses and that kind of stuff. There's still room. Like you can, the loop could still be brought out as a destination. As long as there's enough vision to bring in businesses that will be unique to there that, you know, you're not going to bring in a bowling alley because there's one going up in Salem. You know what I mean? So that's going to be, it'd be hard for a, a like business to compete there. You know? I, I hear a lot of people say, and this is not me saying it, but there's a lot of other people saying that they don't go to Walmart up the loop anymore. They don't go to the loop that much anymore because it's become, quote, Lawrence. That it, all, all the Lawrence people are there and that so, it's causing problems and they, and they just, they don't want that. So they go to Salem, New Hampshire. It's not so well, much the prices, but. No, but so the Walmart in Salem, New Hampshire is a super center. Right. Right. It, that's just a regular Walmart. So because of my schedule, Walmart does this great thing where you can do all your food shopping on your app. And you just pick a time, a, an hour window, and then they text you, and you go there and you pick it up. If they did that in the Methuen Walmart, that place would be packed again. Really? You know what I mean? Like so, but because of the I Walmart, I didn't know that. But I'm going to be doing that. If I can get rid of Grocery Girl, Ed, <laughs> uh, you'll never get rid of That's Grocery Girl. But she could go pick them up for you. That's and bring true. Them to you. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. You can up. still do both. But I think you know. So the same thing with the market basket that's at the Loop. It's the smallest one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what. And then you're comparing that market basket to. The new one at Tuscan Village, or the somewhat newer one near Home Depot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not the it's not the it's not that it's because no one's going to go to that Walmart. To me, it's not the Lawrence thing. It's a well, there's a 
it's the same product, but it's bigger, and there's more variety in Salem, New Hampshire, so right. I'm going there. Right. So I think if, you know, if Market Basket would decide, hey, we're going to try that shopping thing, and they did it out of the Methuen store, that place would be packed again. And the same thing with the Walmart or something like that, but you need to be able to expand at that point. And I think there's... There, then there's not much to expand at that Walmart, you know, or something like that. What, if anything, can city government do, city officials do, to make Methuen a destination place? There was a lot of talk during the campaign about, you know, having some kind of a, a theater, like for concerts or something like that. And I don't have any particular idea in, off the top of my head. But there was an awful lot of talk about trying to make Methuen a destination place because you have a lot of business just bleeds over into Salem. You have a, a lot of business just goes other places, um, and there's there's not a lot of uh, really good restaurants. I, I know that the uh, the Mexican restaurant is it Mexico Lindo. Me Mexico Lindo. Uh, lo- yeah. I love that place. Oh. Uh, you know there there are some there are some good restaurants in Methuen, but there's no real destination places. Uh, no. Is there anything that city government can do to to bring in some kind of a destination? So I was at um. We were up in Portland, Maine, the wife and I, for the weekend and hit a bunch of breweries or whatever. And I was talking to this one one guy who was the owner. We were the only ones there. And he was saying how he, was, he wasn't in Portland itself. He was, like, on one of the suburbs. And he said, he's like, the city came to me and said, what do we need to do? You know, we want you here. We want to, we want to capitalize on what's going on in Portland. We'd love to bring you here. So I think those are the conversations, like, we, you know, if you if you have if you have an idea if there's a business that's looking to come to Methuen that you know would succeed here that's unique to the area, you know work with them when it comes to you know you know whether it's a tax break or whatever it needs to be, work with them to get them here because once they're here and it is successful it's going to come over you, you'll you'll reap the benefits because people are going to come whether it's you know I keep going back to the Portland thing because I love that I love that city there was an office park. That was just an old office park, but now they transformed it. There was four micro, there was four craft breweries in an office park. So you pretty much just Ubered it there, went to you know you'd walk to all these four different places, you'd hit up you hit up all the breweries, and then you'd Uber it back into the like central town, like little things like that. Like all right, what can we do here? We are there's already infrastructure here. It's empty. What could we do here that would bring people? And I think it's just a lot of people being able to come into the room, not be you know just because my ideas my ideas aren't always going to work. But I'm not, a, you know, just if you're going to shoot down something that somebody's going to bring to the table, come up with facts and say, mm-hmm. oh, this is why it won't work. We've tried this. And, you know, like I mentioned during one of the debates, I think it was that, um, you know, maybe Hampshire Street, you know, down near Bada Bing, maybe that becomes a one way. It comes from, you know, from Lowell Street towards 28. You widen the sidewalks. You get some sidewalk seating for the country kitchen and Bada Bing. And, you know, get a coffee shop in there and, you know, kind of make it a little more. You know, put some parking where the old shoddies used to be. Make it a municipal lot. Our downtown, our right. down, our downtown's a, a dead concept. To me, it is. But yeah. you can you can still make improvements, but that's not going to be the heart of where your economic development's going to be. Let's face it; it's the loop. Right. Right. You've got four ninety five. You've got the loop, you got two thirteen, and it's not too far from ninety three. So you can still do th- do things in downtown to make it more attractive. But ultimately, the loop is where those big bigger where the money's going to come in. So, but I think there's things you can do down there to make it more attractive to smaller businesses and, and just make it a little more, you know, homey and be able to go down there. Because right now you can't get down there. If you had one more business, how are they going to, there's no place to park. Right. There's no, you know, you're. I always pray, when I go to Butter Bings, as I'm turning the corner, I'm always praying that there's a parking spot like right in the front and it never is. No, I end up in that little lot on the corner that yeah. it's really tough to even maneuver to get a car out of there if you right. want to like a Honda Civic. Yeah, And, then, and there's another, um, I guess it's fairly new. Uh, it's like a little mini mart. Um, across the street from Butter Bing's, down f- like right at the cor- at the corner there, it used to be a hardware store. Oh, Leon DeBoer, right? That's, okay. Yeah, that's like it's a Lebanese like yeah, grocery yeah. store, or whatever. I haven't been in there yet, but it looks like. And I know they just came to the council a little while ago to get a liquor license, so they, they're looking to do like tables upstairs or something like that. But you know, things like that. Yeah, you know, it's going to bring a couple of people in there at least. It's more than that Andrew Travel train station thing. That's old train depot, or whatever right. that is, or you know, the empty Ronston liquor store. So. Right. You uh, we've got about th- uh, maybe five minutes left. Um, what is it? What is what is it that you want to accomplish? Two years from now, we're going to have you on, right? And whether you're running for re-election or not, we're going to be doing like an exit interview and saying, <laughs> and saying, okay, you know, was it what you thought it was over the last two years? Uh, two years from now, when we're having that conversation, what would you like to say you've accomplished? To me, it's simple because it's funny because somebody asked me, well, the first thing, the first couple months can really set the tone for your re-election. Like, fuck that. I don't even want to think. I'm not thinking about re-election at this point. <laughs> like, the re-election takes care of itself if I stay true to my word and I did what I said. 
that as long as I was informed, I made decisions, I explained my decisions, and they, you know, and, and then everything else takes care of itself. Right. You know, am I going to make all the right choices? <laughs> no. You know, but at least if I'm able to explain myself, and I feel like a lot of things right now, people just say yes or no, and they bullshit their way through it. No, just, you know, be truthful, say what you need to say, say why you're voting for this. And, and then the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. So my, my, my accomplishment would be that I, I hopefully have a hand in Methuen as a whole turning the corner when it comes to either the transparency on the council, whether it comes to economic development, things like that. That's, a, that's what my goal is to see. So in 2021, you know, that, you know, whether I'm up for the election or I decided enough's enough, they're like, oh, you know what? At least he was a man of his word. And he did what he said he was going to do. And if that's how you know if that's how the, everything goes, I'll be more than happy with that in two years if I can walk out of here and people say, "No, he said what he was going to do," and that's it. You know that 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 would mean more to me than anything else. Real quick before we uh, before we wrap up, one of the one of the topics that I tried to push on every debate because I think it's important for everybody to be talking about at this level is the homeless situation. If you are a Methuen resident and you've paid taxes your whole life and suddenly you end up homeless. There are no homeless services for you in Methuen, so what happens is you end up in Lawrence. Lawrence, which means all of the homeless people in the Merrimack Valley are all in one place, and guys like Mike Bernard have to like, you know, arrest them. You know, they're breaking into cars just to get money for drugs or whatever. Um, and so I asked throughout the campaign, all of the candidates, if they would be amenable to having some kind of services for the homeless, for Methuen residents who become homeless, and almost everybody said yes. Now you're going to be on the city council. Um, have you given any thought to how we can make that work? Yes. So I think like something I've learned through the debates is listening to yours and everyone else's is it's not as much the city of Lawrence. There's a lot of nonprofits doing some phenomenal work there. So it's city government working with a nonprofit or two in Methuen to say, all right, this is what we need. You know, find those, those churches or organizations that are willing to do that and go, what do you need from us? Mm -hmm. Whether it's meeting space, you know, like, so, you know, with Mike, with TMF and that, you know, you guys got, you know, a host that, whether it's hosting an event somewhere that's on city property, giving them those supports, meetings, you know, hopefully at some point, you know, maybe it would be financial or just putting I them in contact with other people, whether it's grants, whether it's financial support from the city or whatever. But I think that's where city government needs to start working again for the people of Methuen. And those are the services that, you know, would be very beneficial. You know, I see like, so the senior center right now, they finally got a part-time social worker to help elderly when it comes to SNAP benefits and all that stuff. I think those are the things that we need to work with. You know, non already people that are nonprofits, there are already people out there. We just got to be able to work with them and just let them know, hey, we're willing to work with you. If, you know, if you've seen an issue, how can we help support you to get your mission complete? At least get your mission out there, get the word out there, get the mission done and show that it's a, we have a unified front to solve an issue. It's not mm -hmm. just you doing it on your own and the city just turning a blind eye or worse, making putting up roadblocks to make sure that you don't you, we're not going to help you. I'd like to see I'd like to see the new mayor come in and put an ad hoc committee together to work with TMF and uh, other nonprofits. There's an awful lot of city buildings that have heated them all night and nobody's using them. Right. And there's no reason why we can't put our heads together and try and find a way to help at least the Methuen residents that end up being um, being homeless. Uh, we, we've got about two minutes left. Do you have any final words for anybody? You're going to be taking office when? Jan January 6th? I, I don't think we haven't heard. Uh, uh, January 6th will be the first meeting. I imagine it's the first Monday in January. They still haven't announced when the inauguration would be. Last time it was, it was on, 20, it was on New Year's Day at 10 a.m., I hope that's not the case. You know, maybe right. a little bit later in the yeah, day on the first gonna, would be nice. We're all going to be very tired New Year's Day at 10 a.m. Right. So, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, soon we would hear about that. I'm just <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little kind of floored when I go places at this point. We're like, hey, congratulations. I'm like, okay. I, yeah, I don't know who you are, but right. thank you. Well, everybody um, knows you now. Yeah, I know. It's, I, I don't blend in well. Yeah. But I'm just excited. You know, I, I got into this for a reason and – Obviously, that reason resonated with a lot of people. So I'm very excited for this next chapter. Um, you know, I've talked to many people, not just elected officials, but, you know, I've had some conversations with Randy Carter, you know, about what he's doing in Haverhill. And he's how great. Can, yeah. And like, how can we now incorporate what you're doing there and bring that mm -hmm. in-house as well? And I'd know, like just, to see him come on board with the city. I'd like to see him be a VSO or something with yeah, the city. Yeah, I happened to meet him just knocking on doors yeah. before, around the primary, and then we'd be able to connect that way. So... Just want to continue to do that outreach and find out what there are many things out there that I don't know about, but I'm not willing. I'm willing to put in the work, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to all these people, and I'm gonna make sure that I represent 
the people of Methuen like they trust me to do. So, Joel Ferretro, Methuen City Council elect from the Central District. Appreciate you coming on the show. Will you come Thank back? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for Excellent. having me, Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ed, our fine, fine producer here, Ed Sullivan. Here at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. I want to thank Nina at Climate Design Systems for sponsoring today. Also, our good friends at Bada Bing. And I, I don't want to make Bill Bryant all upset, so it's Bada Bing, Bada Boom, okay? Uh, also, Royal House of Rose Beef, JG's Ice Cream, and everybody who has supported all of our podcasts throughout the election. Uh, we're going to be trying to focus as much as we can on Methuen going forward. Seems to be what people are interested in. Uh, we will see you next week. I don't think, do we have a, a guest schedule for next week? I think, we, no, I I think we're open. Well, and, next Thursday, Thanksgiving. So. All right, next Thursday. Oh, and then yeah, the following you're going to skip it for the holiday. Right, and then the following week, we have Neil Perry with his second Methuen Mayor's Report. Melvin Taylor says we got to go home, so go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.